Welcome to Kingdom Talks, where we engage leaders, teachers, creative artists, and everyday people in conversations that awaken listeners to new revelations of the Kingdom Age. All of our courses, community conversations, partnership links, and much more can be found on our website, kingdomtalksmedia.com. Now, enjoy the show. Tonight, each of us that are speaking, we're just going to share for about 10 minutes on what restoration of all things has meant to us, how it's changed us, how it's impacted our lives. And I think this is important because this isn't just a fun doctrine. We're not, it's not that. And Dean and I will share more once we get going here. But um, uh, yeah, you're going to find it's extremely significant as the whole body is moving forward. So I'm not going to preach or anything. We're going to start, since Mike Parsons isn't here, he's trying to figure out who we're going to get to go first. It's like he's not here, so he's going to go first. Um, he, we have a video that he put together for us uh, that we had shared beforehand that we wanted to start the night off with, each of us sharing why is this important to us. And so he's put a video together, and we're going to play that to get started. He will be here tomorrow. So he's just not here tonight. So he'll be here tomorrow morning, I think. I think as the plane arrives in the morning. So he will be here. And um, we will have a great time. Amen. Was this good? Yeah. I can tell you, we could just stay in this place, and there would be a ton of stuff that would be accomplished just in the spirit. All right. Anything else you want to share? Adina has trading money. Does anybody else have? We have a little bit left. Okay, so um, actually, anybody who has the trading money, if you could come over here. We might not have uh, as much left right now, but we will have some tomorrow morning again. Yeah, um, if we don't have enough, we'll pick up what's thrown out and recycle it. I wouldn't worry about it just yet, Nancy. But let's see if we have enough. We might have enough. <laughs> All right. Wow. I'm just blown away because what this is accomplishing and what's happening is just phenomenal. And we're going to just let Holy Spirit speak to each one of us because we're all, and again, now we're here together, all right? So I do want to explain that for the most part, you know, it's going to be up to each speaker. But I think many of us want to have a little bit of engagement as well. So there's going to be Q&A toward the end of each, each uh, session, and, um, except for tonight. Well, there might be a little bit. A little bit in between. If you've got something to say, we might do a little bit. But it could go very long if we have a lot of people sharing tonight. Because we're going to do seven speakers doing ten minutes. So we're going to go ahead and get started. You guys ready? All right, I'm going to see if I can work this thing. Do we have a tech guy that could do it, make sure it's done right? Let me see. Oh, th that might be it. I am so techie. Person, missing out on all the fun tonight, but I will be there tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to this time we're going to have together uh, in which we're going to be looking at the restoration of all things. I'm 
passionately committed to the restoration of all things, more than I've ever been before because of my own personal experiences over the last few years that has been leading me in this direction. It is a long journey that I've been on, as probably most of us have, to bring us to a point where our beliefs change to such a degree because we've experienced the love of God. And my belief in restoration and all of what restoration entails has come through personal experiences. There are many milestones along my journey which were significant points where God met me, revealed his love in a deeper way, unveiled that love towards creation itself in a way that now you know, my experiences of that for me are totally in line with the very nature and character of God. You know, my own understanding of God through my upbringing, you know, a very evangelical upbringing, really warped and twisted the reality of who God really is. But by meeting him in sort of these mystical encounters, if you want to call them that, you know, I've discovered face to face that God is good. He's always good. He's only good. He's nothing but good. And he is love. And love is the key. And everything, when you really experience God as love, unconditional love, and that that love will never fail, never give up. You know, it's totally changed my whole perception of the world, people and everything else. I can't look at people the same way as I did because now I see them through the lens of love. And if we view everything through the lens of love and the lens of Jesus effectively, then we're going to see the world differently and we'll see God differently. And on this journey, there have been many deconstructions I had to go through of my belief systems. And God would encounter me, I would experience him, it would create cognitive dissonance in that I didn't believe what I now experienced, and I didn't go back to the Bible to say, I'm going to use my understanding of the Bible to explain my experience, I went back to God. You know, God then, Father, Son, Spirit, engaged me in relationship and revealed the truth of the things that I had experienced, and it was deeper and deeper and deeper into love. And then God's love for everything and everybody became so obvious that I couldn't deny it. And then being involved in helping people to become restored, you know, has just confirmed that to me over and over again. But I know these are very controversial issues to some people, um, but face-to-face encounters of innocence, restored innocence, you know, the fact that we're justified, the fact that through the cross that Jesus has reconciled the whole cosmos to himself. These are the things which really have changed the way I think and through my experiences realized how deep this rabbit hole goes, how deep the love of God goes. So on one point in my journey, in preparation for all of these vast changes in my thinking and my experience, I met with God one day and we were talking and the Father said to me, I want to show you something. So we went into a place of intimacy within my own heart where first he engaged me and there's a place there where it's a special place, an intimate place. And we went there and I saw hanging in the tree, which is there, a a big tapestry. And this was a tapestry which was woven beautifully and it was, you know, intensely real and, you know, 8K, you know, 3D tapestry, if, if you could get that p- image. And I'm looking at all my encounters with God over the previous seven or eight years. And I was so enthralled by looking at this image and all these stories woven into it. 
that I even lost sight that the father was standing next to me. And I thought, wow. And I remembered this and I reminisced over this and I had this amazing thing and I was looking at it. And then in the middle, there was a little thread. And I thought, wow, I wonder if I can take that thread and follow back into all these journeys and experience this in a deeper way. And I was so excited and I thought, oh, great. So I, I took the thread. Now, when I was a kid, my mum was always telling me, do not pull the thread. Uh, and I just could not not pull the thread. I just had to pull it. And, and I just pulled this thread and the whole tapestry unraveled in front of my very eyes and was just a pile of yarn on the floor. And behind it, there stood the father smiling at me. No, more laughing at me, really. And he said to me very, something very profound. He said, what is an image of me? And I got it instantly. It's an idol. He said, yes. Don't let your encounters with me become idols. You don't need an idol. You don't need an image. You just need an ongoing relationship. And therefore, don't lean to your own understanding about me and create a new theology or a new doctrine. Just continue the process of engaging with me relationally and we'll walk this journey out. Little did I know in the next two years, I had major con you know, cognitive dissonant encounters of love, how deep and wide and high the love of God is. And it was just amazing experiences, which so changed how I felt about myself, about the world, everything else. And I made it a point not to try and lean to my own understanding of those experiences or even use the Bible to explain those experiences because that would be using my understanding of what I already thought it meant. And that's our problem. We use confirmational bias to, to agree with what we already agree rather than allowing God to renew our minds and change our thinking. All of us have to have our minds renewed. And for me, that inevitably led me to restoration. Because as I experienced the love of God for myself, those experiences just overwhelmed me and then enabled me to see people differently and to see that we're all included with Christ and that we all died in Adam, but we're all made alive in Christ and we've all been alive and in him. That so challenged my thinking and suddenly changed everything I viewed in terms of evangelism and the desire for seeing people come and engage God. It became an experiential thing rather than an intellectual thing. So, you know, now if I'm sharing the good news with someone, I'm going to relate to the light that's already at work in them to help them realize that Jesus has already forgiven them, that they're already innocent from God's perspective and made righteous. They just don't realize it yet. So it's changed everything, how I think about things, how I do things, how I relate to people, you know, and I had one really amazing encounter and I was walking in the realms of heaven one day and I was just engaging in the river of life and I, I went under the waterfall, which is a place I love being, and I stood under the waterfall and it was cascading down me, deep calling to deep, and I was just, just meditating and being in that place of total rest, even though there was this cascading energy coming all over me. And I felt that the water had changed in some way. And I sort of was aware that it was multicolored. And all of these multicolored were, were cascading down in this amazing waterfall. And I was standing under it. And all of a sudden, I started to feel 
each one of these colors was a specific group of people who God loved. And immediately I started to relate to those who had been victims or been abused or been trafficked or had been in some way hurt or damaged by people. And I felt how intensely God loved them. And I was just relating to that and empathizing with that and just wanted, see, wanting with such a desire to see those people healed and restored and come to know the love of God that is the only place of restoration they, they can find. And all of a sudden, immediately I felt God's love for the victimizers and the abusers and the serial killers and the murderers and the pedophiles. And my soul reacted in such a strong way that I was just about to think that's not fair and yet the love overwhelmed me and I realized that God loves everyone the same there is no distinction in God of course he lives within the moment of everyone's pain and can totally empathize with it but also he loves everyone the same and that experience totally changed how I viewed people. And the next day I was in my office and I was just preparing something and immediately I found myself in the spirit and I was standing at the front door of our building and we run a day center for people with addictions and homelessness and different disadvantaged states. And I was watching in the spirit people walking into the building with a totally disheveled state, some of them looking like walking skeletons you know, from the outside, they looked the worst of the worst. But I saw the light that was within them. I saw, as Paul realized that Jesus was at work within him, that God was at work within each of these people. They had just not realized how much God loved them because of their circumstances. And I just was moved with compassion because I just saw how much God loved everybody and everything. And... As sons of God, he's calling all of us to be involved in the restoration of all things, to bring creation itself into the freedom of the glory of the children of God, which is our, in essence, of who we are as sons of God, so that creation itself can be set free from its bondage to corruption. So we can be restored, not just to God's original purpose in the garden, but where we would go. So we're going to be restored to even greater than what we would have been if we'd not fallen. So I believe restoration passionately and I'm really looking forward to some of the questions that get asked. And well, I guess the question everyone wants to ask is, what does all mean? You know, and hopefully over the next few days, we'll discover some of the answers to what all means in this journey together. So looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. I just want to say something briefly about Mike, for those who, who may not know him that well, is in the beginning of our journey into this movement, uh, we hadn't even watched Mike that much. We really didn't even know really who he was. But we happened to be in England, and somebody set up an appointment for us to go and visit you know, his place. And he set time aside for us, took us on the tour. And what I was so impressed with what he just shared is you know, he's on the tour showing us everything and there's the homeless, you know, who are part of the community. And he interacted with them exactly the same way he was interacting with us. And I had never seen that before, if, if you know what I mean. You know, there's always this kind of leaders and, okay, well, I'm going to talk down to you and 
talk a different way. There was none of that. And I'm so grateful because it really set the tone for us in beginning to walk this out. And so I honor him. And um, excited, Larry is going to share next. And many of you may not know Larry. We're getting to know him more and more. But we just so honor who he is and have so enjoyed um, the opportunity to get to know you more and to share a building and <laughs> all the joys of that. And so we just honor you, Larry, and want to hear what you have to share. So I want to give a shout out to those of you upstairs. Hi. Yay. Uh, okay. I'm self-monitoring here. So 10 minutes, right? Yes. All right, cool. Um, wow, that was, that was fun listening to Mike. I, I'm looking forward to getting to know him. I haven't met him yet. My journey to contemplate the restoration of all things and to begin to, to believe that. Thank you. Um, it, it basically, it started, I, I went through a, a season in my life. I've pastored for a really long time, but there was a prophecy spoken over my life that God's going to put a seal on your call. That was in 1992. And you're going to be fulfilled in a ministry you don't have to apologize for ever again. It was by, spoken by a guy named Paul Kane. It was pretty cool. And at first, the first thing that impacted me was the idea of a seal. And I knew. I, I was standing there. We were over in Nuremberg, Germany. I felt this uh, oil come over me like a seal of approval. And then I knew I was going to be sealed up like a jar of peaches and put on a shelf. I thought it would be a hiatus for a couple of years. It turned out to be 17 years. I was in business. I actually worked in this building for about 10 of them. And then the Lord called me back in. And one of the first things that happened when I got back in church uh, and started Joyland is um, I realized that I had, in that 17 years off, gained the benefit of laying all my beliefs on the table, taking a fresh look. And the questions that I asked were like this. Is this something that I believe or something that I borrowed from someone else? Because, you know, when you go to Bible school or you're getting a dumb, all that kind of stuff comes. So I was able to lay those things out. Then, is this really what your scripture says? Is this really what you're saying? And does this reflect on Jesus? Does it look like Jesus? Or, And then later I got some more sophisticated questions, and they, they came as a result of getting tired of, of formulating thoughts and doctrines about God without taking God into consideration. And that is the point, even though there were some key scriptural points. Like um, Mike mentioned the idea in 2 Corinthians 5 of God is reconciling the whole world to himself, the whole cosmos to himself, not counting our sins against him. So, so this idea of how many doctrines do I hold about God that don't take the revelation of God in Scripture into account, and then I was confronted by Jesus confronting the Pharisees and the Sadducees when, when they came up to him and, and, and he said, uh, you search the Scripture thinking that in them you find life, and they are that which testify of me, but you are unwilling to come to me and receive life. And the combination of that awareness of how easy it is to glance at God and then start formulating, and I'm not laying that at the feet of the Scriptures because the Scripture is the revelation. It is the testimony. But I get busy making up things that make sense. So when I realized that, I, I started taking a fresh look at that stuff. You know, it makes sense to me, my side. I started taking a look at stuff, and then uh, 2 Corinthians 5 was really important to me. Well, if God's reconciling the whole cosmos to himself, then we're a bunch of reconciled people. And I would have people say, well, what's going to happen in the end if somebody goes to hell? Well, they're going to be reconciled people going to hell, and I don't, I don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't know what the dividing line is there. So I started looking at it again, looking at it again. 
But then this is the one that sealed it for me. There's two passages in Scripture. And I started paying more attention to declarations than to parables. And it's not to dismiss the parable, but a parable tells a story and is totally dependent upon your interpretation of it. A declaration, all you got to do is read it and understand what it says and try to believe it or, or, or line up with it. So here's, here's this. And I, I, I thought this was so fascinating, especially in the situation we're in, because I, I really was. I was putting some prayer into this idea of how to be good citizens and how to honor the, what the nation's going on and still facilitate all this stuff. And, uh, and so in, in 2 Timothy, they both came together for me today. Or, uh, yeah, First Timothy chapter 2, sorry. First Timothy chapter 2. First of all, then I heard uh, that entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. For kings and all who are in authority and all who may, that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all goodness and dignity. All right. I'd never associated that with this uh, reconciliation of all things passage that's coming up here. But I did today, just to let you know. And it was fun. So in the normal rough and tumble of, of life, we're being called to pray for the people that have authority and influence over us so that we can live quiet and tranquil lives. And then look what it says. It says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. All right, so the God our Savior part, when I was a Baptist and when I was an Assemblies of God pastor, I had a category to put that in. But I didn't see that category being nearly as tight or strong anymore. So one of the titles of God in this thing is our Savior. And I know that. I mean, Jesus' name means God saves. So I, I, I go, okay. And then it says that this God, our Savior, is one who desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Okay? And so like Mike said, we're probably going to have to deal with the word all. But he desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Then I got in a, a, a good debate with a, a friend of mine that I love. He's a theological guy. And he goes, well, that's desire. It's not will. Because in his mind, if God willed it, it would happen. If he desired it, it might not. And I busted him later because he was talking about how desire is the emotion that drives action and that God's desires dro drove his action to create. And then I caught him in the hall and I said, no. You remember that conversation we had two months ago? Anyway, <laughs> who desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And then it goes on and kind of reinforces that. It says, for there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. All right. So you have here the nature. God is our Savior. You have here the motive. God desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And you have the method that Jesus Christ was sent to give himself a ransom for all. So that scripture started to hit me. And then... There's one over in Peter that says something sort of similar. It says this. Uh, this is a, a, a rebuke that Peter's given to people who say, oh, everything's going to stay the same. Everything's going to stay the same. He says, no. He says, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, this is New American Standard, and I'm not going to go into a bunch of exegesis in a three-minute-and-eleven-second remaining talk. But here's, here's what, what happened, and then what happened from what happened. What happened was I go, okay, this is a plain declaration of the heart of God. God wants everybody to be saved or desires everybody to be saved. And here, it doesn't bother me that it says he wishes that all men would 
would uh, uh, come to repentance, you know. I, I started looking throughout Scripture and kind of going through that Rolodex in your mind if you study the Bible a lot. Where is the permission for me to not want, not desire, not wish what God wishes? I couldn't find it. And I've never been able to give anybody that answer. I mean, get them to answer that question. So I just couldn't find a way to not try to align my desire with his. And then all of a sudden I realized what faith was for. Because I don't see how God's going to do that necessarily. I don't see all the particulars. And there's a lot of arguments. There's a lot of scripture. And hopefully we'll be able to deal with a good goodly number of that. Because uh, I'm not as confused about that as I once was. But we're called to be believers who exercise faith. We're given faith as a gift. And if I'm not supposed to be able to put my faith into something that God says he wants and I don't know how he's going to do it, what the heck is faith for? <laughs> Isn't it to believe in the word of one who makes a promise that you don't see how he can keep? And so there was a long season when that was all I stood on. I go, look, friends, I know what God wants, and I am giving my faith to want it with him. And that was enough for a long time. I, I've got a couple more things that uh, are a little more solid now. But you know what? Really, those are just icing on the cake. They're just icing on the cake. Because the what happened, because of what happened, is that I found that there was a greater joy in me and flowing from me when my desires were aligned with God than when my actions tried to follow him or glorify him or, or put some image forth. And I never tried to do it hypocritically on purpose, but to put f some image forth that I believe you, Lord, I believe you. When I gave myself to let my heart want what God's heart wanted, in this most challenging of topics, frankly, okay? I mean, hey, I got, I got Baptists and Assemblies of God roots and, uh, you know, things in there you don't want to mess with. But <laughs> when I saw my heart and when I yielded my heart to what God wanted, and I, I, I could sit there and I could, I could think, Papa, I want what you want. There's not anything better than that. I want what you want. And that's, that's how it's impacted me. Thank you, Larry, so much. So appreciate that. And um, just I, what I love about each one of the speakers is they're so unique in their focus and the direction that they come at, at it. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. And so next we're going to have Lindy. And I just want to say um, I just met Lindy in person back in November. But last year I listened to the Restoration of All Things from England, and you know, I didn't know who you were, and but as I watched as you shared so vulnerably, it it just touched my heart. And you did one act, and I'm not going to say it in case you want to do it, but you did something, and I was like, I want to know this woman. This is an authentic, you know, powerful woman who isn't afraid to be who she is. And so I'm just so glad you're here, Lindy. 
Well, I'm going to self-regulate myself. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm just going to talk very fast. So that, oh, awesome. Okay, okay. Okay, so um, the two things, really, that the restoration of all things have um, empowered me in. Uh, the first is immortality. We cannot get to immortality without the restoration of all things. Because the restoration of all things means that we can be completely restored. That everything is going to be completely restored. And that actually we can step into the fullness of who he created us to be. So that's the first thing. The second thing is authority. The restoration of all things says that I can rule and reign as a son with the authority of heaven to declare and decree how it will be in the earth. Okay, now let me tell you what that says. That is not a, well, I kind of hope. That is a, Lindy decrees and so it shall be. That is who we are, guys. And it is time for us to step up to the plate and start to function in that place of authority. Because the time of willy-nilly cowering in the corner is gone. We have got to be the sons we crea we're created to be. Okay. Now, I just want to put something out there, not to guilt you, but actually just to impassion you. And that is that Jesus died for the fullness. And you know, when I discovered that I could be that person who takes the pick and doesn't move in everything that he died for, I have seen his bloodied mess of a body and I'm not going to be that person that put him there without having everything, every drop of blood that he shed for me. I'm going to walk in the fullness of that. And if I don't, I'm going to die trying. Because that is who I am. I am going to walk in what he accomplished for me. And faith says, I have that before I do. Not, we don't need faith after we're healed, guys. You know, when a judge passes a sentence, he doesn't go home and think, oh, well, I, I hope that guy ends up in prison. Because he understands his authority. And we have to move out of hope into faith. That when we decree something, it's a done deal. Now, we can only move in that authority when we understand the heart of the Father. Because he doesn't release that authority until he knows that we're trustworthy. Otherwise, he's giving a loaded revolver to your two-year-old. And that could be carnage. So what he's saying is... Will you mature? Will you pay the price? 
because there's a price to pay. Will you pay the price of your hopes and your dreams to live his hopes and his dreams? Will you pay the price for immortality? So those were the two things that this has done for me. And it has been a journey, and it's been a relational journey. And the first time I started functioning in this before I even knew about the restoration of all things. And actually what he was doing in 2007, he started to deconstruct my theology. Because I was in a market offering spiritual readings, dream interpretation and healing, and people would come in and the father would say, I want you to do X, Y and Z. And I would say to him, oh, I can't do that because... Do you know how ridiculous that is? And the father said to me, are you going to believe me or what you've been taught about me? That was a turning point in my life. I literally went home. I went in the spirit realm. I took all of those notes that I'd ever written anywhere, under anybody's teaching, ever, and I tore it up. I said, I'm done. I am going to the source himself. Because John 16, 12 says that when the Spirit comes, you see, when Jesus was around, he said, hey, you can't bear this. You can't bear what he's got for you. But when he comes, he will teach you in all truth. So when we take Holy Spirit's hand, we move into all truth. Because that is the place of safety. The place of safety, please excuse me here. The place of safety is not with the pastor or the, the leader or the home group leader. or the, That is not the place of safety, guys. The place of safety is in our Father's lap. Where our motivation, why we get out of bed every day, is so that at the end of the day, we can climb on, up on his lap and we can see his smile. Hey there, thank you for joining Kingdom Talks. We are taking a short break to share with you the life-changing online course called Ultimate Impact. Gil and Adina do an amazing job taking the complicated and making it simple and applicable for your life. Ecclesia groups are using this course to shift their thinking into the next age paradigm. Yeshua spoke of power, authority, love, and oneness that we have yet to walk in. So if you're ready to deconstruct limiting beliefs in order to step into what Father is doing now, this course is for you. Sign up today at KingdomTalksMedia.com under the Courses tab. Now, back to the show. Do you know, Jesus talks about only doing what pleases the Father. That is my mantra. I live to make my Father smile. Because there is nothing on earth that tastes so good as my father's smile. And I could never have got there outside 
of the restoration of all things. And from the place of the restoration of all things, every man on this planet, every woman, every being is accessible to me. Because that's what the cross did. Made everything accessible. And from that place, everything is accessible because he's already working in them. He's already got a relationship with them. I remember one day, a man came and sat down and he wanted a spiritual reading and he said, I'm an atheist. I said, oh, that's no problem. I said, it just means you don't know him. It doesn't mean he doesn't know you. Because that's who he is. And the more we get to know who he is. Oh my goodness, how can we believe all this other nonsense? How can we? Because it's not who he is. He is just love and love and love and love and love and love. And actually, you know what happens to me? I get to a place when I move into that, that I eventually pull out because I'm like, I am going to self-combust. I'm going to explode. I can't, you know, you know, with resonance, you know, if you release a resonance into an organism, if it will draw on that resonance, if it's, it's resonance, like the opera singer and the glass, and the glass will explode. Okay, we are created for love. That is our resonant frequency. And we get to that we've got to learn to expand it and expand it and expand it and expand it so that we can carry that resonant frequency of love because that resonant frequency of love is the healing and restoration that we need to step into immortality. So I'm back to where I started with immortality. <laughs> The whole circle of life is encompassed in the restoration of all things. Oh, thank you so much, Lindy. That was awesome, awesome, awesome. And um, I can't wait for you to get to hear a whole lot more from her. <laughs> but now I want to introduce an incredible powerhouse, and that is Shannon. And so for those of you who don't know, I mean, any woman who births 10 kids... <laughs> Uh, runs a ministry, <laughs> keeps up with her mom. <laughs> um, it's just amazing, and I look forward to getting to know you even more as we've moved here. And so I just honor you, Shannon, and amazing woman of God. Come share. It's good to see everybody here because I wasn't sure quite how many people would venture down with everything going on. Um, but there's such a drive um, for what it is that we're stepping into. And there's such a passion for it. You know, Mike said it. Lindy said Everybody that's going to talk, Larry said it, um, is, is there's that one common denominator, which is love. Um, you know, the Lord has, I was, when I was a, a very small little girl, my daddy didn't get saved till I was, oh, teenager, somewhere between 14 and 16. And um, one, of the, one of the very... Um, vivid moments of my life because we were very, um, uh, we were in a wonderful church, but you know, the Left Behind series came on and it was like the very first time when I really, I really started thinking about what it, what, what God was because, you know, we were all working, we were all following the Lord and we were all this, but our, our dad hadn't seen yet. And, um, <clears throat> 
I, I kind of questioned where, um, where the father's heart was in all of that because what that movie that came out, that was the old really bad movie. It was black and white. I mean, it was terrible. <laughs> it, not like, it, I mean, I haven't even seen the new one, but the, the old one, and, and it scared, it terrified me. It terrified me as a little girl to think that God couldn't love my dad as much as I did. That the heart of the father wasn't, wasn't big enough to love somebody who hadn't seen him yet. He knew who my dad was. I mean, he, he made him my dad for a reason. Um, you know, it, it's to be able to sit and go, Lord, why? why? Why is he condemned to all of this? Don't you love him as much as I do? And, and then you start looking at everybody that way. You start looking at each person that way. You start saying, Lord, why? You know, he brought up a really important point about um, uh, the, tra- you know, the traffickers and the, and the people that were doing horrible, horrible things and how he loved them as much as he loved us. Um, he's, he, you know, repeatedly over and over in the word, it says all, all, all. It doesn't say, you know, this person, this person, this person. It's very clear, all. And that's, that, that's the time that, that we're coming into is recognizing he means all. He doesn't mean that this drop was for Pearl and this drop of his blood was for Nancy and this drop was for Lindy. He said it was for all of creation. And, and that's, that's the place we're coming to. We're all walking this journey because our desire is to have the... He was our pattern. And if he was willing to put himself up on the cross and to spill his blood out for all of creation, then we need to be willing to do the same thing. That means we can't hold, hold uh, the trafficker without, any, without saying, I love you, because he loves you. My son, did a, um, my son Tyler, he's 23 years old, and he did a, um, had to do these prerequisites to go on this um, mission trip to Thailand and Cambodia for human trafficking. And he was having a really big struggle. Lord, how, your word says you love all. How do you love him? He was balancing out and he was doing it in front of everybody because he was putting it on Facebook, asking these questions. He was actually in the questions of God. He didn't care what anybody else said because he's kind of opinionated. But he, 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 he wanted to know and was trying to figure out how to balance the love that he had for the person doing it. The thing is, is, is when that person responds to the love that is in us, the industry gets shut down. So we have to be the frequency. We have to be the light. You know, every morning when I wake up, I have a, a very specific thing that I say to the Lord. Lord, let me be light and let me be love. And everything that we do, it's that place. It's not what the neighbor's doing that doesn't like, you know, you build the fence in the middle. I don't like their dog. I don't like their kids. They're climbing on stuff. They're everything. It's being the light because all of a sudden people are coming and responding to us because we have accepted the frequency of who he is. We have stepped into a new place, a new, into a new, a, a, a new mode. Not that any of it was bad, but when he spilled his blood and the, the blood tore the veil, you know, they spent two thousand, they tried to sew the thing up. The system tried to sew it back up. That thing was like 12 inches thick. It wasn't like a piece of little, you know, 
lacy material. It was 12 inches thick, but they didn't want that to, that, that to get out because all of a sudden we had an access. We had an entry point. And we have gone, now every single day we're stepping in and we're saying, let me be light and let me be love. In the midst of every situation, um, it, it, you know, when people do things that are wrong to us, it's really hard to love them sometimes. But you have to all of a sudden say, okay, what does the father see? My father saw my dad as an amazing man. My father, my father didn't see the fact that, that he didn't respond to the call yet, that he, didn't, that he didn't hear the frequency because he knew he was coming. And the thing is, is when we step into the restoration of all things, we're stepping into the same place that he was, identifying with what he did for us because not one of them will be left behind. Because that is his word. All things. Everything was bowing. Everything was praising. It doesn't give a specific person, a specific people, a denomination, this or that or the other. Because some of the denominations don't even think any of us are going to be there. Even though we have, we have an intimate relationship with the Father. But it's true. Because it's doctrine. I, I, I want to step outside of the saying of this stream or this doctrine because that divides us. We have to be very, very careful not to divide what it is that he's establishing and to honor the people and where they are walking at this very moment. Because if we respond with the same thing that he responded to us, then all of, those, all of that stuff doesn't matter anymore. It's, there, there's no longer separation because he said he did never separated from us. So if we, if we stand in a place right now where we are, are following the pattern, stepping into him, you know what she said, into his lap. When we're sitting in his lap, nothing separates us. That means the person that is unclean, untouchable, un, that, every, that everybody and the system says that they're not worthy. You know, that's the place that we're going. The whole, the whole thing of what we're doing right now and the thing that, that I talk about the most is the love, the family table, bringing everybody down to be able to talk about it, no matter what denomination or what belief system or whatever, we can all have that one common thing, which is love, which is who he is, which means that if, when we step into that position, we will no longer have to go out and shake the Bible at people and say, oh, you got to do this. My, my dad was pretty turned off by that. But the thing that he noticed the most was the love. That, that in, in, the midst of, in the midst of when she was out doing and she was out ministering and she, he'd come home and all these homeless people would be sitting on our floor having coffee and toast and their kids would be running all the house. And he's like, oh, my God, you know, because he didn't understand. But all of a sudden, that frequency started resonating in something in him. Because he saw the love. He saw the unconditional love that has been bestowed upon our family because of a relationship with him. So now, as we look at everybody, and you know what Mike said earlier about loving everybody the same way. We don't have a, you know, this sin's a little worse than this sin, and this little sin is worse than this sin. It's, it's, it, it doesn't matter. When you look at your children, it doesn't change how you feel. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't change. Yes, there have been mistakes made, but it doesn't change the way you love them. So why should it change the way he loves all of us? That is where we're going. That is the passion of which is in his heart because when we make a choice to sit inside of him and sit in his heart, there is no other question. 
It is, it is complete reality. It is complete, utter, um, encompassing love. It's the warmth of his breath. It's the touch of his hand. And when we can respond to somebody the same way that he responded to us, everything else works itself out. So that is kind of where we're going in all this. Everybody's got that commonality. Some have a little different. Some are very, very deep. I'm, I'm like already taking notes. Mike's not even here yet till tomorrow. But it's, it's that bringing each one of the pieces together so that we can all gather together and that we can all be the frequency. When the frequency emanates out of this place, everything's going to be changing because we are in the midst of massive, massive change. Hey, <laughs> I was not out of time yet <laughs> because everything will change. Thank you so much, Shannon. Really appreciate that. And um, I guess I get to introduce myself. But anyway, I get to share now. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I was, I was raised in a very legalistic home. Um, and I, I'm grateful for the seed that God had planted in me that I just desired to please God. And so it was like, I didn't, I didn't care about you know, rules, it didn't bother me. It's like, if God wanted to do it, I would do that. If he wanted to do this, I wanted to do it even more. And so, you know, I love how God takes us on this journey of discovering love. It's amazing. You know, I thought I knew what love was back then, but not even, even close. My whole world was in this box about what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, it's been the graciousness of God to take me step by step on this path. And, you know, we'd started to get into the heavenly realm and we begin to hear about these crazy people like Nancy Cohen. <laughs> and, you know, some things that were shared, it was like, oh, I don't, I don't think about that. You know, because it was so contrary to how I had been raised all my life. But there was something about the love. And it's like, I can't. There's nothing I can do, you know, with that love. And so we were inching our way towards it, you know, just going, okay, I don't know. You know, trying to figure this out and looking at scripture and all of those kinds of things. And as God would do, he snuck up on me <laughs> in a very unusual way. And I just want to share a little bit of my testimony. It's a little bit vulnerable, but it's about how God uh, took me to hell. <laughs> and so um, it was totally unexpected. I, I was going to a conference um, and it was more of a networking conference. And by nature, I am very much of an introvert. And the first night was just networking. So you walk into a room with a room full of strangers, and I'm supposed to walk around and talk to people that I don't know. And I would notice, I was beginning to notice more uh, what was going on inside, my emotions and, and all that. And I was realizing that I was really tensed up. And I'd say, okay, I can relax. I'm safe. Nobody's trying to get me. And I would, 30 seconds later, I'd be tense again. And so that night when I went to bed, you know, I spent some time with the Lord in his presence. It was just going like, I don't want to be afraid of people. I don't want to have that deep-seated fear that's coming somewhere where I can't control because it's not up here. You know, it's deep down. It's in my body. And um, I had just learned a couple months before, um, just through some inner healing work that uh, 10 generations back was some pretty severe SRA, human sacrifice, trafficking, and all of that. And so I was processing that. So anyway, I'm, I'm heading off into sleep, just about to go to sleep. 
in a good place with the Lord, and all of a sudden these images are popping up. And it's this huge barren valley, this enormous warehouse, and I know it's my generational bloodline stuck in there. This is their hell. And they're screaming, and they're cursing, and it's horrible. And I'm like, God, I need to go to sleep. (laughs) I'm like, I can't deal with this right now. And I love the graciousness of God because he's like, okay, he let me go to sleep. So I, I usually wake up around three to have some quiet time with the Lord and then go back to bed. And so when I woke up at three, he was like, he brought me right back to that place. And he says, I need you to go there and forgive these men. And I argued for a little bit because I'm like, no, I don't want to go down there. Uh, but he said, no, I'm with you. He took me down there and um, the building was locked from the outside. And he said, you have to break the lock. And again, I was like, I don't want to break the lock. I don't want to face these men. I can hear them in there and I can feel this vibration of yucky, gross stuff. And I don't want to do, you know. But he said, no, are you willing to forgive? So finally broke the lock, opened the door and out streamed these men. And all I could do, because I was in a place of fear. I had not been perfected in love yet. And I'm still in that journey. But. I just said, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And most of them continued to run, but there was a few that received it. And they dropped to their knees, weeping there with Yeshua. And it was like this radical shift that God began in my life. And I I noticed it the next day. I was able to interact much more freely without fear. And the process wasn't over. The next night... Uh, I'm drifting off to sleep, and all of a sudden, these images start popping up. And this time, it's the victim's side. Because what he's shown me is they're stuck, too, in their own personal type of hell. And in this scene, it was this dark woods and this black water in this pond. And I see this beautiful little girl, and she's dressed in white. And she's just laying in there in the black water. And as I came closer, I could see that around her private areas was bloody. And when I looked at her, she said to me, Jesus did this to me. And I so freaked out. I was like, God, I'm done. I I can't take this. I don't want to go here. Don't take me there. And so graciously, he let me fall asleep. And so at three in the morning, when I wake up again, guess where he takes me? Immediately right back to that place. And he said to me, she can't come to me because she thinks I did this to her. And he said, are you willing to go down into the black water? And are you willing to minister to her? And again, it was like, what? You want me to walk into that black water? (laughs) I don't want to. But okay, Jesus, you said to. And so I walked down there and I held my arms out to her. And I said, I'm safe. Would you let me hold you? And I, I can't quite describe this fully, but she climbed into my arms And then she climbed into me. And I stepped out of the water, and and Yeshua was right there. And I stepped into him, and I stepped out of him. She came out of me and ran around and embraced him. And it just began to shift my whole life about who I am and about my generational line. And about the restoration of all things, because most of Christianity is we cut off all that bad stuff and we just move forward into the light. That's not, I don't believe that's God's intention because we're called to redeem our bloodlines in incredible ways. He took me on this encounter where 
I was seeing my, my generational bloodline backwards and forwards and right where I was, and I saw the power and light of God come down like an explosion and go in both directions. And it's just so shifted who I am and what he's called me to do. And it's, it's caused me to enter into seeing my past trauma in a completely different light. In the old pattern, it was the victim, and it was like you'd go to all this inner healing and deliverance to try to get free so you can walk in the glory. But being able to see it through the lens of love that I chose this bloodline. I chose it because in this time period, God would reveal to me this restoration of all things so that I could redeem this bloodline through the power and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm hoping I'll have more opportunities to share some amazing encounters that God's taken me on. He's taken me back to that valley and showed me different things and different encounters that I hope I can share more with you. He's led me into this place of ministering to girls who are being sexually you know, trafficked right now in the moment, but in the heavenly realm. And it's been so amazing how... Everything shifts when we look through the lens of love. Yeah, that's right. And I want to tell another story, but I probably don't have time. But I just want to say the goodness of God never fails. Um, sometimes in these encounters with these girls, ministering to them in the heavenly realm and then going back down with them into the earthly realm. And, and this time, I, I remembered Nancy saying about the, the abusers and about loving them. And so it was like I had been focused on the girl and just ministering love to her. And then it was like I remembered and I shifted to look at the man and begin to, that frequency of love saying, you are loved. I forgive you. And he stopped what he was doing. I believe there's so much more that we can do in the spirit than we know from the heavenly realm in the problems that are happening down here on earth in, in this time. There's so much more that we can do for our family and our bloodline. And so I'm looking forward to hopefully being able to share more of that as we go through this time. But this message has radically changed my life and my family. I'm seeing changes in my family. And so I just want to encourage you. Um, I know many of you have already been on this journey way longer than we have but it's the most exciting thing in a life. And now it's my privilege <laughs> to have Nancy come up, who um, I just owe so much gratitude and love for what you have released. <laughs> and I want to say one more thing, just real quick. I, I had a few seconds left on there. When I was going through some of these encounters in the first little bit, it was actually the time we came here um, to Colorado Springs, and I was so full of it. And I couldn't share any of that without just weeping and weeping and weeping. And I had a chance to share it with Nancy, and she just didn't say a whole lot, but just ministered to me with her touch and her frequency and her vibration. And I've, I've never had that, again, been able to share freely. And I just so thank you for who you are. Aww. You've made an incredible impact in our lives. Aww, thank you. Thank you. That's so sweet. <laughs>
Oh, wow. I don't know where to start after all that. <clears throat> I, I want to uh, share a very brief testimony and then give you um, some instances where the Lord showed me the intensity of his total, complete, absolute, unconditional love, even for people that are in the depths of what we would refer to as depravity. <clears throat> My um, encounter with the restoration of all things came all the way back in 1979. And the one thing I want to share with you, this meeting is a culmination of something the Lord planted in me 40 years ago. And I've been carrying it all of this time. Actually, it's a redemptive plan that we're doing it in Colorado Springs. Because the first time I ever released the information that the Lord had downloaded regarding the restoration of all things was in Colorado Springs. And as a result of that, I was placed on the international heresy list for saying, and, and, and I understand why that happened, and actually it was for good purpose. In 1979, uh, well, in 1974, I had a very radical, radical conversion experience. I was a self-avowed atheist. I taught people that God was just a figment of man's imagination to give him an, uh, uh, an excuse for things he couldn't understand. Jesus was dead. He was in the grave. He's not ever coming back again. But on November uh, 6th, 1974, the Lord, praise the Lord, he didn't give up on me. Uh, he, I had a personal epiphanous appearance of him in my room. And when he came, he actually x-rayed my entire body because his light was so brilliant, I could see my bones through my body like I was in an x-ray machine. I became so full of zeal and so full of fire, but had no wisdom. And I was very, very interested in finding about end-time eschatology. So I went on a three-and-a-half-year journey to find out about end-time eschatology. And it's a very interesting story, what the, how the Lord brought me through all of that. But after three-and-a-half years of diligent study... I read over a thousand books concerning that, and I actually went to the Library of Congress and looked up every single solitary instant in the Library of Congress on the second coming of Jesus. The more I read, the more confused I got, because every book had a totally different scenario, and it was all backed up by Scripture. So I'd read one and say, oh, yeah, that's it, because that's backed up by Scripture. And then the next one would be a totally radically different concept, but it was all backed up by Scripture. So at the end of three and a half years of studying literally 20 hours a day, every day, I... Um, I came to the Lord, and I cried out, and I said, Father, I really, really, really want to know the truth. And he just laughed at me. It's amazing how our anxieties don't bother him at all. But uh, 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 he, he, he laughed, and he said, if you want to know the truth, you must come to the truth, because the truth is not a doctrine. The truth is a person. On that particular time in my life, I took my Bible into the wilderness for seven days, 
trying to figure out how to come to the truth. I was already saved. I was already filled with the Holy Spirit. I'd led thousands of people to Jesus and prayed for thousands of people to receive the baptism. So when he said that, I was working out of myself all of this end-time eschatology, which was so engrafted. I was the expert, by the way. Um, <clears throat> so one day I was... I closed my eyes, and he said, just come to the knowledge of the truth. When I went, I, uh, he dropped a verse into my spirit, and that verse is from Revelation chapter 5. And it says, I, John, was caught up into the heavens to see, as it were, every creature that had ever been created, those that are on the earth, under the earth, over the earth, in the sky, in the sea, every creature I saw before the throne, not wailing, singing, blessing and glory and honor and power be to him. And I looked at that verse and I thought, well, that's not right. Because we know if people don't confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, Jesus is Lord, 90% of all creation has died and gone to hell. So I actually rebuked the devil for trying to deceive me, okay? And, but all through that day, he would not allow me to escape that verse. And so finally, I come and I say, Father, whole cults are started on the misinterpretation of one verse. So if this is true, I want you to show me where else this is in the Word of God because you said take into account the whole counsel of God. And so for the next four days, I sat with my Bible by myself in the wilderness on a little piece of carpet going back and forth and back and forth everywhere I went and put my finger down. It was there. Just as in Adam, all died, so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, that's us. Afterwards, those that are Christ at his coming. I would, everywhere I would go, I would find that word. Uh, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through me the world might be saved. For I am the Savior of all men, but especially of those who believe. Everywhere I would go, it was, and when I came out of the wilderness, I had over 500 scriptures that conclusively say he is going to restore all things. So when I was finally released the very first time to, to stand up in a big assembly in Colorado Springs and mention that fact, <laughs> I, got, I got the left boot of fellowship real quick, Okay. <laughs> So uh, in, during the last many years, the Lord has really privileged me with going to probably some of the darkest hell holes in the world. And I've been to the cannibals and the headhunters and to tribes where they cut off the heads of 6,000 men. And I've seen how the love of God can bring total, complete restoration, even in the midst of hideous devastation. Uh, so uh, um, I only have two minutes and 41 seconds, so I want to just share a, a little bit about how he prepared me for this particular message. Everywhere that I would go, uh, I used to do a lot of street ministry 
in, um, at Mardi Gras down in New Orleans. And I was ministering there to an ex-nun who left the nunnery because she'd been raped by a priest. And um, I'm standing there, and outside of town, they had this satanic uh, encampment. And every year for Mardi Gras, they would come to Mardi Gras, and they would strip themselves and shave their entire body and paint their entire body with these hideous, uh, perverted, twisted Garden of Eden scenes. This one guy, I was ministering to this nun, and he walked up, and he raised his hands up over his head, and he began to shout to me, I bet you'd like to do blah, 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 all this sexual stuff coming out. And I raised up my hands to call down fire on this guy, which I can do, by the way. Uh, and, and, and suddenly, the Lord said, stop and look into his eyes. And I looked into his eyes, and the Lord whispered, and he said, he's just a lost sheep. Just a lost sheep. Later on, we did this huge parade where we gathered together and we marched down Bourbon Street on Fat Tuesday, which is the high, holy end of all of the raucous activity, because the next day they, they have to go into all of the sacrifices for Lent. So we're locked arm in arm, and we're, we have to stand faced uh, uh, with, uh, like, chest to back and side to side. And we have to lock arms because they're actually trying to drive cars through our parade and battering rams to break us apart. As we were going down the string... <laughs> singing, Oh, the Blood of Jesus, in the middle of Mardi Gras, your feet would stick to the road because there was so much vomit and so much urine and so much stuff in the street from all the drugs. And as we were going down in the, uh, there was a balcony that were right over the place where we were standing. And the men would urinate into the crowd they would fill beer cans full of stones and throw them at us. And some, many of the men were cut and had to go to the hospital. The women would bare breast themselves because they had, one of the things that they did was to put all of these necklaces on for the number of sexual acts that they did. So whoever had the most necklaces actually got the, actually got these awards. As we were walking down Bourbon Street, this woman threw open her breast, uh, her, 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 her blouse and began to wag herself in front of all of these men. And I got very angry. And I looked up at the Lord and I said, God, why don't you stop this? And he said to me, 20 years ago, you were that woman. I looked up and, of course, I didn't bear breast myself. I was very, very... <laughs> shy about that kind of stuff, but she was standing on the very same balcony in the very same hotel where my husband and I went to celebrate Mardi Gras. You see, we forget where we came from. So today, when I go into the places of greatest darkness, deepest wickedness, grossest depravity, and they come at me with their swords and their spears and try to cut my heads off, I don't see them for who they are. I, don't, I, 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 I begin to vibrate with the love of God for them, and the frequency of his love stops them in every case. 
Even when they come to try and kill me, they can't because they hear the frequency of his love emanating out of me. So I have many, many things that I want to share. And But before I sit down, I know I'm past my time. But before I sit down, I just want to say, you're here by divine invitation. And you are the fulfillment of my dream. Because for the first time I'm seeing the restoration of all things being embraced by a people that have a different level of relationship with him. So thank you very much. Well, thank you so much, Nancy. I love what Father's doing. <laughs> and I get to uh, introduce my awesome, amazing man. <laughs> thank you for going on this journey with me and um, opening the way, because uh, I, I went dragging my feet. <laughs> and he went charging forward. But uh, we've, we've managed to uh, find middle ground. <laughs> so here you go. All right, is everybody doing okay? We're almost done for tonight. Um, how many of you have watched Kingdom Talks before? All right, a good portion of you. Well, when um, Heather Rayner had said that she was going to uh, introduce me to Nancy, you know, I'd heard about Nancy. I'd never met her, and I'd heard about her, and I honestly was afraid to have her on the show. <laughs> So two hours before we were actually going to do a live show together, uh, we did uh, a two-hour thing with uh, Heather and her group. And as I'm listening to Nancy in that two hours, she won me over. And so I told her at the end, I said, I think you've just become my favorite person. <laughs> just because of the love. And that's been the incredible thing about this journey. So here's, here's the thing is... Um, you know, there may be, most of you, we did a survey, so we know that most of you are kind of already, you're, you're convinced, you're, you're moving down this path with us. So it's not like we're trying to convince you, um, but we do want to hopefully answer some questions and build a, fa a stronger foundation, because obviously, if you've been in this for a while, you know that when you share this with the wrong people, you either get shut down or you get kicked out. And uh, it's not a pleasant experience. So, you know, we, we obviously are learning wisdom in how we approach people with this. And, we, you know, I think most of us came from a place that Dean and I, it took us about nine months to make the shift because we'd heard Nancy talking about restoration of all things. We'd heard Mike talking about it. And I can say that in my, you know, my, my theology did not line up. I had been taught something totally different, but our spirits resonated with it. So I'm just going to say, if, your spirit, if you're new to this and your spirit is resonating with it, go ahead and take the time to begin to study it. And here's some things that we, we began to, to see. And this is something the Father downloaded to me because he, he said to me at one point, what is in you, speaking to me, he says, what's in you that makes you want to take and line up scripture with this idea of an eternal hell fire that I'm going to destroy everything and that I'm going to enjoy it? while I do it, what's in you that makes you want to take and, you know, try to line scripture up with that? Why don't you start taking and that same scripture and line it up with the fact that I am a God of love? And so that began a journey to go in and relook at everything, all the scriptures with the, through the lens of love. Because when we don't take that time, then we're just simply blindly following what we've been taught. 
And so what happens for with most people? When those people want to kick you out or, you know, slam you down, I can tell you that for the most part, it's because, because I was in this place, that I have taken what other people have taught me that I should believe, and I have now taken that, and it has become part of my identity. That my identity is not in him, it's in what I've been taught. And when someone starts to try to pull that away from me, the walls go up, the guns come out, and I'm ready to fight. And so that's the thing. When you see that happen, just back off. You know, that's been part of the journey for us is learning that, you know, when you come up against that, there's no reason for you to try to move forward at that point. You will just get more resistance. But that you need to back off and love them unconditionally. Even though this is, you know, something that, uh, you know, they may be throwing rocks at you. <laughs> but just to, you know, to back off and let that, let that settle in. Because what we need to do is continue to plant seeds. Because one of the things that never, ever made sense to me, even when I was, um, you know, pastoring in a very conservative church, never made sense to me that we were expected, all of us, every person who's ever lived, that we were expected to come to this earth and with basically amnesia of not knowing who God is completely, not knowing why we're here, not knowing much of anything, that in this little bitty span of time, maybe 70, 80 years, whatever it might be that we live here, that in this span of time, we are expected to make one choice. And if it's the wrong choice, we're going to burn in hell for eternity because we made a choice without all the information available to us to make a right choice. Does that make any sense at all? And does that line up with a God of love? And so that was one of the questions that always burned in the back of my mind. It's like, why in the world would God be that way? And so that, again, began the process of go back and relook at the scriptures. And when you have been taught something and it's so thoroughly ingrained in you, it is very hard to take those glasses off. And when, you know, when I came out of the conservative denomination that I was a part of, I literally did not study, study my Bible for five years because every time I looked at it, all I could see was with these lenses that I'd been given, that I'd been taught, and I couldn't get them off. And I, I just, I couldn't stand it. Every time I'd look at the scriptures, that's all I could see is what I had been taught. So it took that five years. And so finally having all of that, you know, forgotten. Honestly, I forgot it after five years. It took me that long to forget what I had been taught so that I could begin to look at things again. But still, I was in the church, you know, that was still teaching that there's a hell that we all have to make sure we try to avoid and get everybody else out of. But one of the wonderful things that I love about finally adapting to this idea that there is a God in heaven who loves us and he loves every single one of us, and that he's not a weak God, okay? So, you got to remember, he is limitless. He is infinite. You know, why do we think that we can put limits on him and tell him what he can and can't do? And that he's going to lose. That's the other thing. You know, we put these limits on him, and we develop this idea of hell, which was, I'm, I'm hoping that some of us will have chances to share with you that even historically, hell is not something that was taught in the early church. It's a pagan concept, okay? So I hope we have time to, somebody in the seven of us have time to get into. But believe me, it's a pagan concept. It was not something that was taught from the beginning. And so we have adopted that into our theology 
something that doesn't even belong to God, and then we try to take, we try to plaster that on God, and it's no wonder the world doesn't want anything to do with Him. He's a schizophrenic God, saying, "I love you, I love you. Please come to me, or you're not going to come to me. I'm going to burn you in hell forever." What kind of God is that? And who would want to come? It's like you're walking on eggshells all the time. You know, we'd always hear the stories about, you know, hey, would the person be saved if, you know, they're following the Lord and doing all these good things and then something happens at home and they just get angry and they cuss up a storm, they walk out and they get hit by a truck. Are they going to hell or heaven? That was literally some theological, some discussions that we would have in our classes in college. It's like, what kind of God is this that we are serving? That he is so weak and that our salvation is so fragile that something like that would, uh, you know, it's like, oh, we're gone. Poof, we're gone. He's, we're out of his hands. You know, we were saved all that time before, but one wrong decision, and now we're gone. How strong is your God? And I believe, I honestly believe that over the next five to ten years, because of people like you, Nancy, and others who have stormed the way, blazed the trail to get this into the mainstream, that in five to ten years, this thing is just launching. It is just taking off and getting root all over the world. It is going to be something that I hope in five to ten years, it's going to be ridiculous for us to think. We're going to look back and think, I can't believe we believe that. And that people will be set free. I love the fact that I can sit down and talk with a Muslim, a New Age person. It doesn't matter who they are. And I can just enjoy them. Have a conversation with them. And we can go back and forth about what I believe and what they believe. And I'm planting seeds, but I don't have to beat them over the head with the Bible. I'm simply planting seeds and loving on them. And sharing with them the true love of the Father. I don't have to win the argument. And that if I speak to them in a way that they feel comfortable, that they would be hopefully open to having more discussions. I did have a conversation not, well, it's been a few months ago now, but with a new age guy, totally new age. Um, and we did. For three hours we sat and he would, he would share something and I would share something on the same thing, just our points of view. And he was blown away that, by the fact that, I, you know, I'm a pastor, you know, that's what I was considered, you know, back there. And that he was, that I'm a pastor and I was not trying to convert him, but we were just sharing thoughts and he was free to think whatever he wanted to think because we're not universalists. You know, we're not saying that every way is, is okay, but everyone will eventually go through Jesus. When it says every knee will bow, it's not that God says, Hey, I'm done with you guys. I'm making you bow now. He doesn't take away your freedom of choice. He doesn't do that. So he's going to win everybody over with his love. So anyway, I hope you guys have enjoyed tonight and got a little bit of uh, perspective from each one of us of where we're going and um, why this is important to us. If you want to talk to us between uh, breaks and uh, on um, you know, lunch times and so forth, feel free to. All right. Bless you all. Have a great night. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at KingdomTalksMedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, 
Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you, and until next time, live a blessed life and keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open.